Welcome in everybody to another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Burlingan. On this show, we talk about the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And if you notice that my background is a little bit different for this episode, and that's because I am coming to you live from Manifest the Future of Logistics out in Las Vegas. It is the first big logistics supply chain conference that really the industry has had in a couple of years. And it's been a, a, a challenging moment to get here. I don't have to tell you know everybody that the elephant in the room is obviously COVID, uh, but this event was originally scheduled to take place in January of 2021. Course, they had to push it back another year. There was even, you know, sort of a concern that this event in 2022 was going to have to be pushed back again. So it's really sort of the it's the first day of the conference, and it's one of those things where you get to a conference and you realize why you still come to in-person events. And there's been a lot that's gone into planning this event. If you remember back on a September episode of Cyberly, we had the conference chair. Pam Simon on the show in order to talk about planning this event and everything that's gone into it. They've had more than two years to plan this event, and they're really trying to take it from the the perspective of bringing everybody from all sectors of of the logistics industry, especially technology, into one area, not just with, you know, your, your, your typical talks that happen at a conference. They have a demo area for different software providers. Then they also have an ginormous expo floor, which as somebody who's been to several conferences, I've never been to one where it has a giant expo floor. So that was something that was really sort of eye-opening for me today. Uh, We're going to play a couple interviews that I recorded uh, from the actual sort of construction area of the expo center. The expo center doesn't actually open until the second day of the conference. This was technically the first day. So it's the registration day. It's when people are getting in town. And so from that lens, we recorded a couple of these interviews that you are going to see in today's show from the under, still under construction expo area. So we'll, we'll be bringing you a lot more content from the actual expo floor in the coming weeks on future Cyberly episodes, of course. Uh, but for this particular show, I did just want to do a quick shout out to Manifest for doing for for not only the communication, but also some of the newer tech that I've never seen at an event. One of those things, and one of my favorite moments is because obviously we live in a time where, you know, shaking hands can sometimes be awkward. Um, Some comfort levels are are still challenging to sort of navigate, especially initially, and especially from the handshake perspective. Typically, when you meet somebody, you will shake their hand. But at here, it's it's one of those things where you, you want to be a little cautious and you want to be accommodating for everybody's comfort level. So that takes the the onus of having business cards. Something as simple as having business cards has essentially been removed from the entire process and it's for the better. One of my favorite additions that they've had for this conference is on you, know, you have your typical conference badge that everyone gets, but then on the back what you'll notice is they have this little almost like an Apple AirTag if you're familiar with that but it's a small little device. You when you're talking with somebody and you meet somebody that you want to keep that connection going, All you do is each person taps their little button. It flashes green. It's like a near field communication device. Um, So each person scans it and then you get their contact information, their social, their website, their bio, all that good stuff. It's loaded not only into the official conference app, but then you're emailed a copy of that confirmation or a copy of that, that contact information 
to write directly to your email. So that's one of the, I guess, the a, a little thing that makes such a huge difference when you're talking with people. Because as most of you know, when you're at a conference, you're kind of being pulled in a bunch of different directions. So being able to say, hey, enjoyed our conversation. Let's connect. Let's continue the conversation. And so then you can just scan each other's badge and then you have it for future reference. So I love that aspect of the conference so far. I'll have more insight and have more perspective in the coming days, especially as new features open up, especially on the expo floor, because let me tell you, they're going to have a puppy lounge and the puppy lounge is going to be where you'll find me probably most of the day. Maybe we can even do a fun interview from within the puppy lounge. Fingers crossed I can make that happen. But if not, I'll just get a bunch of videos and we'll play it in a future Cyberly episode. So everybody can sort of have fun with the puppies. Um, there's also a, a bunch of other features that are going on. Ludacris is closing out the conference event on Thursday of this week. It's going for three full days. Uh, there's also, you know, a Bloody Mary bar, a donut bar. So it's a lot of cool different aspects of uh, something that you wouldn't typically expect at a conference, right? Typically at a conference, you, you have your normal speeches and you do your networking and that's wonderful. But then on the flip side, we have these different sort of conversational pieces. And I think that those are so important in, in a world, in a day and age where we kind of thought that virtual events would overtake in-person networking events. But I've kind of found that it's the exact opposite, that the exact opposite of the in-person conversations fueling the digital conversations that can then come from that. Um, so it's been a really interesting sort of, uh, I guess, look at human psychology and how folks are choosing to even come to a conference right now, how they're choosing to interact at the conference, and then the conversations that are taking place. And I've noticed that a lot of folks, if you were uncomfortable, it, you, you started getting much more comfortable as the event goes on. So I think it's important for us to, to sort of highlight these events that get folks back out in person. They're doing it safely. They're leveraging the clear app, uh, which, you know, it, it, everybody has to be fully vaccinated and you have to take a negative PCR test 72 hours before your arrival. So it eases those safety it eases any kind of concerns because of the safe approach that that manifest has taken with this event. Um, so far, so good. Uh, I was able to record a couple conversations, which I'll get into the first one now. If you are any kind of active on LinkedIn, you probably know who our next guest is going to be. And it's been a damn shame that I haven't got him on in on the show in is since yet. Uh, so what we're correcting that today because I got an interview for you with Trey Griggs. He's all over LinkedIn. He co-hosts, or not, he really, he hosts the Word on the Street show that happens every Friday. It's essentially like a logistics lunch that you can take part in and really take those digital conversations. And then you can meet people in person and then continue to develop that relationship with folks all over the country with shows like Trey. Um, so if you haven't been following his work, I would highly advise you go make a connection request with him on LinkedIn. You can get on the invite list for the future shows in, in the future. And then from there, uh, start to develop those relationships and really solidify them for when you're ready or if you are ready to, to meet with folks in person again. So let's go ahead and play the interview with Trey. <laughs> All right. Well, um, welcome in, everybody. I am joined today for the first official test run of the YouTube studio in a box. And I've got Trey Griggs joining me for the first ever interview with my new uh, YouTube studio. I feel so lucky. I mean, 
What an honor. Well, I mean, let's not, uh, that's I think, uh, as far as like burying the lead. I don't want to bury the lead. But you, <laughs> uh, obviously an extensive career in logistics. Um, you've been in the industry networking for a very long time now. Yeah. Um, it feels like I think forever, but we all just kind of <laughs> got connected really during COVID when that first Correct. event, yeah. sort of a, you know, that first Freight Waves event, when it went from in-person to virtual, everybody kind of joined forces on LinkedIn. What was sort of that, I guess, evolution of your, uh, of your freight journey jumping into social media? Yeah, uh, I think that, I mean, I started building a network in 2019. And I think the first time that I realized that it worked was when I went to Freight Waves conference in Chicago. And I had somebody that came up to me and said, oh, you're the guy that did that video and whatever they said. I was like, and I didn't know this person. I was like, oh, this is working. Like, nice. I need to do more of this. So in 2019, I committed to just, you know, being consistent with content and, you know, what I was learning and just sharing that. I'm a teacher and a coach by nature. So that was really comfortable to do that. And then in 2020 with the pandemic, you know, you just saw the opportunity virtual because people were now living online. They had a little more time. They weren't commuting to work like they were before. So they had extra time to consume content. And then also just selfishly, I was lonely. Like I'm an extrovert. So being without people was rough. And so I, you know, I started Word on the Street at that time. I hosted a virtual conference that I put together myself, a very small one. It wasn't anything like Freight Waves or what they did, but it was just a small one, about 15 companies decided to, to do a 30-minute webinar with me on a one-day conference type thing. And it was just more of like wanting to be with people and mm. wanting to share information, wanting to help people. Everybody was unsure about what was going to happen. And so just trying to create that community, that sense that we're all in this together, just I don't know, resonated with me. And so I, that's why I did. I love that because initially early on, I think a bunch of us, we were sort of extroverts as well and used to networking with people at conferences like this. And we're actually at um, over with Manifest the Future of Logistics Conference. <laughs> I probably should have mentioned that before. Um, but it, it was interesting to watch so many different people experiment with different content. And especially within this industry, what kind of inspirations were you getting outside of maybe the industry or within the industry that made you say, like, I, I really want to start moving forward with creating content and building that network right. online? Well, I think a lot of it for me goes back to being an educator by, by trade. I was a physics teacher before I ever got into logistics or sales in general. And so, you know, sharing information, sharing education, helping people be better. You know, if people ask me what my why is, you know, what your why statement is. My why statement is that people will achieve success beyond what they can imagine because they work with me. And so that means that I'm there to help. I just want to help people become better. And so during that time, it was just a matter of like, you know, people were kind of being drawn to this information. There were a lot of people putting out great information. Cassandra Gaines was putting out great information. Chris Jolly got his start at that point. TJ Knudsen, you came on the scene and relaunched your podcast. There were so many that were putting out good information and had a kind of a different niche. You know, I'm kind of a sales marketing guy. Chris Jolly's a freight broker by trade. Cassandra's a lawyer. You have a background in media and, and broadcasting. And we all kind of have a different little, you know, shtick about us. And so it was great to see that you know, network start to come together, provide the information, and, and people were just drawn to it. So when people resonate with your content, it makes you want to put out more because you feel like you're helping. And so that was a huge motivation for me to can be consistent and keep putting things out. And so with your position in, in sales and marketing, with your primary focus, you've worked with great companies. Uh, Lean Solutions mm -hmm. is, is probably the biggest one. I think everybody in freight probably knows about Lean at this point. Talk a little bit about your position there and how you helped grow that sales program. Yeah, well, Lean's a phenomenal organization. Great leadership. You know, David and Robert started it a long time ago, and they just you know slowly been building it. And uh, with the addition of some key people like Gina Mann, who's our VP of Marketing, and some other people, Josh Bailey's our Director of Sales. You know, Sergio Alvarez came in and did a lot of operations. Um, you know, Raul Quijana, who came in and did um, you know a lot of finance for us. Like we started to put the pieces together and really take off. 
Um, so it was neat to see that, you know, to see that, that that flywheel start to be created, where we had great you know, customer service. We, we provided a great product. We started doing better on messaging. We started doing better on sales process and structures and it all really came together. And I was telling somebody recently that in the first eight years of Lean's existence, they got about 100 customers. In the last two years, they've gotten over 250 wow. additional customers. But a lot of it's because those pieces really started to come together. And it was exciting to see that happen where we had word of mouth. We had people reaching out to us. Now, hey, I've heard about you guys. I've been thinking about this for a while. I think the time is right. And it all is just a process of everybody working together. And Lean's just been a phenomenal organization for that. I imagine too, that with the, that amount of growth, mm-hmm. that uh, building those processes in place mm-hmm. to, to help manage onboarding of new customers, is there anything that you learned particularly or it, personally that helped you now build other, other companies' sales programs? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, you start to realize when you're a small company, you can get away without structure. But as you grow, you really need to have some, some processes mm-hmm. in place. Um, all of the management team in Colombia and our operations are all Lean Six Sigma Yellow Belts minimum. So we go through and we take that very seriously about process and documentation. Very, very important. And so for me, it was just a matter of learning the value of that and, and, and to really think forward, think ahead. You know, when you're in strategy, you should be thinking two and three years ahead of where you are today. So not what do I need today, but what am I going to need in six months? What am I going to need in a year from now? And start building that, start moving in that direction because it's going to be too late when you get to that point. And now you're playing catch up, you're from behind. So having strategy, top of mind, having people who are owning those processes and putting them in place just to make everybody's life more efficient and, and more effective is really critical. So it was a great process to learn, to be a part of that. I've seen that before. My career started at DAT, uh, Analytics, Freight Analytics, I think it's their name now, DAT Freight Analytics. I started my career there and they had great processes in place. And I haven't been there in a long time, so I can't speak to it now. But but that's where I first saw the value of the structure. And then being able to help build that Aline was a really special experience that's just been awesome to see. And speaking of, you know, sort of building and, and, and just building your team, there's, a, I guess, a sort of a, a negative connotation when it comes to offshoring your your talent. I, I'm a fan of offshoring. I know that some other people may have a little bit of a hesita- hesitancy towards it, especially within the freight industry. How do you sort of uh, coach some of the, the newer clients through that? Hey, you know, nearshoring, offshoring, it's eventually going to help your business grow. How do you sort of coach them through that process? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, is it's really twofold. One is getting them a chance to speak with other customers who have mm-hmm. been down the road because then they can talk about best practices and why this works for us. It's one of the reasons why we do our annual mastermind event, which is coming up in three weeks in Vegas, right back here at Resorts World here in Vegas. We're bringing customers and some prospects and we're inviting them to come and just hang out together for a weekend. That's a huge part of it is letting them ask the questions. How are you utilizing this? Why did you do this? Why is this making a difference? So that's, that's a key component for us is getting our prospects connected mm-hmm. with our clients. Wow. But number two... I think is um, talking about the difference between what we do versus typical outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So with typical outsourcing, you might say, hey, I need these invoices processed. And then the company would just throw anybody's at it, right? They they would decide who gets to do it. But our model is different in that they get to select their candidates. So it's like they're interviewing and adding to their team, but they don't have to do all the work. Our tagline is that we take the headache out of hiring and growing your team because we're doing the recruiting. We're doing the vetting. We're scheduling the interviews and making it really simple. We're taking care of the onboarding and we handle all the HR processes on the back end, right? Mm-hmm. So we truly take the headache out of hiring and growing your team. And so we talk about that. Um, and that's just a part of the education for the customers to realize that these people are dedicated to you. They become a part of your organization without all the headache. You know, so you get to grow your team, you get dedicated employees who are part of your morning scrums, who are part of your organization, have your email address, look like you on LinkedIn, they're part of the organization completely without the HR component wow. and all that goes along with it. When you educate on that, and, and, and the other part is when people come to Columbia 
and see it for themselves. That's when the light bulb really goes off. Like, this makes sense. Yeah, I should do this. South America, beautiful country. And yeah, we're. I mean, there's not too many places better to go for <laughs> work than Colombia. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so, from from that perspective, so you, you've had a great run within, obviously, the, the logistics and freight industry. What's coming up on the horizon for you? What are you working on right now? What are you excited about for the future? Yeah. So a lot of it is, you know, built around how can we help other companies? How can we help with their sales and marketing strategies? How can we um, just continue to grow? You know, we're we're on a path to 10,000 employees right now. We have 6,000 done in Colombia that are assigned to our, our, um, our clients. So on a path to 10,000, 15,000, we've got some marks that we're trying to achieve. So it's just really exciting time to be in the industry and to be able to help out, especially right now with the labor crunch that's happening in America. It's so hard to find good people, committed people uh, for, for a number of reasons. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but it's just very challenging. So it's a great time. It makes a lot of sense. And so we're just continuing to want to help as many clients as we can. That's awesome. Trey, where can folks follow more of your work? Yeah, so uh, personally on LinkedIn, they can connect with me. They can go to lingroup.com for more about Lean. Um, so just, you know, however they want to connect and then learn more, we're, we're happy to help out. Oh, and, and real quick, one, one final note. Mm-hmm. Back in person for a lot of people, yeah. especially over at Manifest. So what are you looking forward to the most while at Manifest? Handshakes, yeah. <laughs> uh, handshakes, smiles, uh, meals together. You know, so many things that you know we just missed over the last two years. I mean, it was good in the fall because there were probably four or five shows that happened in the fall. So it was really good to be back and see some people at some of those events. Um, it's good to be back again. This one, I'm really hoping that we have more of these. I did a poll um, on my podcast, World on the Street, on Friday, just this last Friday, uh, episode 90, that I asked everybody: Are in-person events more valuable now or mm-hmm. less valuable? Because you know, when when the pandemic started, people thought, "Oh, virtual events are here; they're going right. to take the place. We're not going to do in person anymore. People can save money, all those kind of things." It was interesting that two thirds of the respondents said it's more valuable now than before the pandemic. And I think it's because people want this; mm. they want that connection. They want to talk to people face to face. They want to shake hands. They want to you know learn some some great content and talk to other people about it. They want to go to meals and have meetings that are strategic and get everybody in one place. So it's really interesting that they're you know a lot of people are considering these more valuable now than prior to the pandemic. And I would agree with that. So I'm excited about that. Just being back and just seeing the energy, feeling the energy. It's, it's an exciting thing. time to be here. That's awesome. Trey, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Big, big thanks to Trey for coming on the show. It was long overdue. And then now for our next guest, co-founder and COO over at Zoom Transportation. That's Z-U-U-M transportation. We got Matt to join the show. I would pronounce his last name, but we kind of joked about how, you know, each of our last names are, are butchered at times, but he pronounces it flawlessly. Of course, it's his name. So I uh, had a really great conversation with him because he's, his solution is a technology solution that connects shippers, brokers, and carriers, and they help them to become a, almost like a super version of themselves. So then that way they can get more hours back in the day. So then that way they can use those hours to then develop relationships uh, with their business partners and, and with their future prospects and leads. And so it's a really great solution that I think you guys are going to enjoy. So let's go ahead and play this interview from Matt. Okay. Welcome in to another episode, especially from Manifest, the Future of Logistics. I am joined by Matt, and I'm going to go ahead and let you, for folks who don't know of Zoom, Zoom Transportation, I'm going to go ahead and let you sort of give us the uh, the, the spiel on spiel. on who you are, what you do, all that good stuff for folks who may not know. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. So Zoom is a logistics super platform. So essentially what we're trying to do in this market right now where there's a lot of fragmentation is build a solution that brings all parties together, shipper, broker, carrier, on the one platform. 
we have a digital freight marketplace where we started out back in the day and that scaled out. That was our incubation of our software. Now we're giving it out to the brokers. So any broker that needs solutions, uh, a full marketplace solution, and they want to digitize themselves, we have a solution for you and we can automate um, your back office pretty quickly. A lot of great technology for brokers. We have technology for shippers and carriers as well. Shippers to manage their own internal freight network of uh, brokers and carriers and be able to get dynamic RFP, get pricing, uh, manage transportation, everything in between, pretty comprehensive. It's modular as well, so it can plug and play with your existing systems. Nice. On the carrier side, we believe the carrier, obviously uh, the trucks, truckers are king. As they say, you need the trucks on the road. That's ultimately what's getting the goods to the final destination. So we built a lot of technology for the carriers as well. So we can take that dark capacity and move it into virtual capacity for folks to be able to use it. When you talk about the carriers for, for a second, what kind of challenges, because the overwhelming majority of all the carriers in the country have seven trucks or less, and so many of the, the, the it's cost prohibitive for him them to come into the industry. How does your software play a role? Does it play a role in reducing some of those upfront costs, especially you mentioned the back office support. I imagine that helps tremendously. Absolutely. So the carriers have a few pain points. If I look at carriers, especially as you said, 97% are under 20 trucks, 91% are under seven trucks. First thing is they need loads to move around the country. Second is they need to be able to manage the loads and make sure they're, uh, they, they track their movements, uh, accounting and a bunch of other things that help them not have so much operational expenses. So I look at it first is how do you connect that them to the wider network to get access to shipments and to be able to play in that that world. So we've built a good platform for that where it's connected to different load boards. It helps the carriers find the loads, which is most important. And then on the other side is just giving them tools to be able to manage that much easier, dispatch, uh, tracking, uh, uh, the driver stuff. There's a bunch of technology there for them that where they would normally have to spend a lot of money on some sort of a TMS system with our system. It's not only uh, cost-effective, but mm -hmm. has a lot of great technology in it. So if you're, I, I always like to think about it from the perspective of if you're sitting down at a desk in the morning, if you're a carrier, if you're a broker, you're a shipper, you, you come into work in the morning, where does Zoom fit into their workday? Is it an extra tab on the computer screen or is it a vital part of, of how they're operating their entire business? I think it's a vital part of uh, how they operate their entire business, but it's also modular too. Some people have already invested a lot of money in current systems and it's hard for them to move over. So uh, if you look at each of them, a shipper will, will already be in on a big solution they've spent a lot of money on. So if you can give them technology that, for example, connects into their current TMS, gives them ability to turn their static RFPs to dynamic RFP, that's very valuable. Or if you give them something that allows them to get control of their pricing, where they know whether they're overpricing or underpricing, underpricing, causes service issues, overpricing is lost dollars, a lot of data, things like that. We do have modular solutions, but we also have the entire package mm -hmm. too. What about from as far as, you know, a, a, approaching, what is sort of your sales approach? I mean, maybe that's, you know, the best question for, for somebody else, but I'm sure you have a, a, a general understanding of how are you approaching other companies, especially when it comes to carriers and brokers, because there's so much 
technology solutions that seem to be coming into the market seemingly every single week. So what does that sales process look like for you guys to, to be, you know, I guess not another tool, not another freight tech tool? Well, I'll, I'll kind of emphasize on one thing. I think our name is starting to get out there as like kind of the, uh, what I would call innovators of technology that's not what I call legacy. So I think our space is a little antiquated in a lot of ways. And I yes. say that with all due no, respect. People know. <laughs> but, uh, but really just bringing technology, it's all about what value can you bring your customers? And we built technology that is day one going to bring them a lot of value. On the, op- uh, on the brokerage side, if you look at it, brokerages have typically not been able to scale out beyond a certain point. They're human capital intensive. There's a lot of uh, waste, in my opinion. Uh, and our job isn't with our technology to replace work or workers, it's to turn them into uh, super brokers in a lot of ways, right? Uh, and we're what I call a RoboCop model. So we give technology that empowers people to do better so an operator can cover more, more loads. The average in the industries are six or seven loads per day, depending on the type of brokerage. Uh, with what we've built, you can get a lot more than that. So your operating ratio improves, your cost goes down as a brokerage and you can scale up. There's some uh, brokerages that care more about their bottom line. So how do you help them? There's a lot of technology around that so they can control their bottom line, continue to grow that and not really care about the top line as much. So there's different people with different needs. And as, as I stated, we've tried to tackle in a way that helps people meet their business needs. I, I love that you mentioned that because you, you you said the phrase super brokers, because as you know, more technology comes into the space, it's, well, what happens to those brokers when they're not making a thousand phone calls every day? What, what could they good, what could they be doing more of developing those relationships um, with as they get more time back using tools like Zoom? And so from that perspective, I, where do you see, I guess, future enhancements to the program in the future? Because it sounds like this is something that, you know, people should already have in their tech stack. But where does the future go for you guys? Yeah, I think as you start uh, incorporating technology and it starts automating some of the what we consider back office stuff, you get additional intelligence tools that give you capabilities like, like we keep going back to pricing. If your uh, pricing department has a tool that's better than what's out there, has the best data, the cleanest data, you're able to be a lot more predictable in how you price things as you're buying and selling, you're going to win. If you have the ability to get access to a bigger pool of carriers, and now your operators, whether they're carrier sales, carrier relations, they have tools to do their job better. Because each, uh, call it subgroup within each department has what I call a North Star metric, right? Whether it's to reduce churn, to increase uh, retention, uh, increase the operating ratio and cover more, more loads, get higher GP, whatever it is. Um, our software has capabilities for each of those things, for each of those departments. I mean, it has everything from workforce management that helps the teams to, uh, like we said, for carrier sales teams, there's a lot of tools for them to be able to get access to carriers and negotiate even before they've gone on the phone. They're a secondary step, right? Because a lot of that's happening behind the scenes and they're coming in as the human intuition or the the intelligence, it, it really helps them in the sales process. Carrier relations is really important as well. How do you build relations? You can't automate that too much, but I promise you we have tools for that as well. Some things you, yeah. you, you need to automate, but you don't do that or you can't automate until you figure out your processes. So I think for a lot of companies, um, figuring out those processes first and then using a tool like you guys, is it sounds like 
it would just be the cherry on top for a lot of different organizations. All right, Matt, where can folks follow more of your work, Zoom's work, all that good stuff? So um, you can go to zoomapp.com. That's Z-U-U-M-A-P-P.com. Not the other Zoom. Not the other no. Zoom. This is the real Zoom. <laughs> uh, but but also you can find me. Uh, I'm Matt Tabutawe, as, uh, as you stated earlier. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, COO and co-founder of Zoom, and we have a big team. We're, we're growing, so I'm sure you guys will. Your social media presence us. is also top-notch as well. So oh, Thank you. <laughs> well, appreciate your time today, Matt, and I hope you enjoy the rest of Manifest. Appreciate yours. Thank you so much. Awesome. Want to thank a big, big thanks to Matt and Trey for joining the show. It's a little bit of a short episode for this week's Cyberly, but we will be right back here next Thursday and the coming Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Freight Waves TV. Thank you again for tuning into the show. We'll have more manifest, more conference content, more logistics tech, all that good stuff. We're going to bring it to you in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. Next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Once again, my name is Blythe Bromley with Digital Dispatch, and I thank you for your time. 